This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with Brandon. And Brandon, I have a question for you. Comes from Ben Madison. Lay it Brandon, on me, Josh. Hey, just Brandon. <laughs> let me get, an, <laughs> let me get a word in, Ed. I'm rolling, I'm rolling right over you this week. <laughs> uh, Brandon, uh, Ben says, why has Brock Toon forsaken us? It is it is like uh, it is like God is dead or he's left this uh, universe. The the feelings we all collectively have about Brock Toon. Sir, this is this is Sergio Brock Toon Aguero we're talking about. Yeah, right. Because we're we're number one Sergio Aguero fans. We had to come up with a special nickname for him, Brock Toon. Of course, we talk about Aguero so often that it, it it's actually annoying to say his name. So we had to replace it with Brock Toon. I can't believe how far he's fallen so quickly, and perhaps, perhaps this is well, not perhaps. This is definitely everyone just overreacting. But you know, all the rumors swirling around of he's out of favor with Pep. There's going to be a lot of rotation. Goes from number one must-have fantasy asset to uh, just a sinking brick in in a, <laughs> in a still placid lake. Wow, that's very. That was almost poetic. I don't know what that was exactly. A brick in a lake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like that like that Ben Folds 5 song about, <laughs> about abortion. Is that what that's about? Um, it's yeah, about so, Brock Toon. That, that's really incredible now that we've had that breakthrough. Ben Folds 5, is, they were <laughs> rabid fantasy players. Uh, so it's been, uh, it's been a bad two weeks. For, it's been no bad isn't even quite the right word. I've captained him the last two weeks. So it's, it's been a miserable two weeks for me. A net, so captained him two weeks in a row, uh, as I have as well. It is a net point gain of zero, which is yeah. really, truly remarkable. Unprecedented. Well, actually, you didn't captain him this week. And it, it, you, I, so, so let's get into it, Brandon. Our 50 buck cup this week, 
you captain Theo Walcott, I, who I brought in, uh, and uh, I captain Sergio Aguero. Somehow, Arsenal doesn't score a single goal uh, home to Middlesbrough. It was kind of a strange match. This is why I think I blocked out the fact that I captained Theo Walcott. <laughs> so somehow he gets three points, and I am like licking my lips for t- for for Sunday. I mean, oh yeah, everyone who yeah. everyone who uh, had Aguero in their squad and didn't captain them had a knot in their stomach, thinking he's going to just go off on the weekend. It turned out to be the millionth time that people have, you know, underestimated. Well, I, actually, I should say people. It's only some of us because most people actually, I think, did captain an Arsenal midfielder this week. But for m- many of us, uh, forget just how good that Southampton defense is. I mean, they absolutely had Aguero in their pocket in that match. And um, I don't know how much you can read into it, to be honest. I think that, you know, taken it's it, everything seems really chaotic right now with Aguero, but you know, he was, he was away at our national duty. He, um, you know, came on as a sub, which is not uncommon. A lot of, a lot of, it wouldn't be just be Pat who might've brought him on as a sub in that match. Um, he, uh, didn't play in the Barcelona match, which was pretty unusual. And, uh, and then he, you know, had a poor match against a good defense this weekend. So I'm not sure that it's, you know, it's you can read too much into it. I mean, Pep seems to have explained away why he didn't start, uh, you know, Aguero at Barcelona. I mean, I think that he wants a player who can, you know, track back a little more. So, I mean, are you are you thinking about dropping him? No, I'm not. I mean, it seems so improbable that Aguero can drop from being considered among the top five players in the world to being being eminently droppable by Manchester City. I totally buy the argument that Pep would try a different strategy against Barcelona. I mean, Aguero is really comfortable on the ball and he's 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 fairly decent at hold up play for a for a tiny man. But uh, he does like to play as a traditional number nine, and he's going to play higher up than I think you want to play if you're re- playing a real yeah. possession-based uh, game plan. So I, I buy that. I'm, I'm not freaking out about it. Uh, the signs are there. Like, we have to be diligent, and we have to watch what happens with Aguero in the coming weeks because if, if the problems continue, maybe it's less that Aguero is now terrible, but more that um, Aguero is... N- is not a must-have fantasy asset for a certain period of time. You know what I mean? I, I do. That was kind of a mouthful, but I think I, I think I do. I think I do agree with you. Um, they it has to be monitor. I think I think it's really. I, I don't know that you can really drop them, especially now with with the strong fixtures coming up. But I do think that uh, it changes maybe the way that you think about captaining him. I mean, you know, always, always Captain Aguero is sort of one of the. One of the benchmark uh, benchmarks of fantasy wisdom that we've had for for years and years and years, and uh, it's you know typically it's a strategy that's, that's born fruit, you know. And um, but you know, given you know, I'd actually Nick Cummings on the Transfer Hub website had a long post this today about about what to do with Aguero, and he's looking at this really congested fixture list, and you know, it is it, it's a little scary. I mean, they you know, I mean they there might be a little bit of danger just, you know, advancing out of the Champions League group. And so they're really going to have to prioritize that in, in the coming weeks. And they do have a really capable replacement for Aguero in Iheanacho for, yeah. you know, the weaker Premier League fixtures. And I can I can really see that rotation happening. Yeah, I, yeah totally, totally. So, you know, so it's, it's a wait and see. You know, it's the boring answer, but I think it's the right one. It's sort of funny. Earlier in the season, we were kind of hoping for Aguero to pick up an injury so we could sort of break free of him in the game. I know I'm always reading for an Aguero injury, <laughs> but, but but instead we've what we've gotten in return is a further complicated question mark about Brock Tune. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of the – it's not that I don't I, – I really – I mean, I love Aguero. I mean, I I, I love I, – I admire him, you know? I mean, to, to be as good a striker he is at his size, I mean, it's – and you, you can see how much he loves the game. But as a fantasy asset, he can be kind of frustrating because, you know, he's often injured. He's incredibly expensive. And, you know, the nature of this game is that, you know, many – you know, you can – Multiple people can own multiple players. So, you know, it's not that fun to have him often when he's owned by, you know, 2.3 million managers in the league or, you know, certainly like every active manager who's really trying to win is owning him or 99% of them are anyway. So, you know, it's 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 kind of a rare moment when you get to like really celebrate Aguero doing well, you know, because it always kind of feels like, yeah, that's great. But everybody has him already anyway. When you said you admired him, I thought for a moment you were going to say and you wanted to take him and wear his skin and use it as a key to be born into new worlds. All hail Brock Toon. All hail Brock Toon. <laughs> All right, so uh, Game Week 9 for me, Josh, was another one for the not record books, I have to yeah. tell you. I, I saw you uh, Sunday night after the matches were played. We went, we went to see the final NYCFC game, and uh, you were looking a little grim. A little, a little white, actually. <laughs> Everyone laughed at me when I had David De Gea. Why would you pay that much for a goalkeeper? That's such a luxury goalkeeper. Oh, De Gea, he makes plenty of saves. He's a great shot stopper. That United defense looks really good. Jose Mourinho, defensive-minded manager. In our 50-buck cup, Josh, all I needed to catch you was three points between Ibrahimovic and David De Gea. And within 30 seconds, I knew it was going to be an uphill battle just to get those three <laughs> points. I was one, And I was one save away from doing it. But yeah, I, I finished on 36 which uh, the game week average was 42, so I'm genuinely disappointed. It was less United. I really wasn't expecting United to to pull up trees against Chelsea. It was being tripled up on Arsenal with Ozil, Walcott, and Mustafi. And, you know, even though, like you were saying, I did not too bad in comparison captaining Theo Walcott, uh, it just wasn't good enough. My whole game week hinged on Arsenal playing, uh, really slaughtering. Yeah, and over. even Mustafi ended up being the lowest, the lowest scoring defender on that team this game week. Yeah, picked up a ridiculous yellow card, chopping somebody down in, in midfield. I wonder if the entire season, assuming they both start the match, you will get two points combined from Ibrahimovic and De Gea. Uh, again, like, will that ever happen again? You know, to get to have a match where they they both start, they both play ninety minutes, and you get two points total. I mean, it takes a lot. I mean, you could see a scenario where you know Ibra gets a yellow card or something, but for De Gea to get less than two points is pretty rare because he almost always, you know, I mean, assuming it's a match where they've conceded a couple of goals, it usually means he's he's getting peppered a little bit, and so he'll pick up. Three saves as well, yeah, you know, right. to get the, yeah. So I think it was just last strange. season when he had a very unfortunate own goal, like a ricochet bounce off of his back into the goal where he ended up with maybe zero or negative points. But but yeah, you're right. Apart from that, yeah, I do I do have to shine a light on my good friend Sam Vokes. The Volkswagen is in full effect. <laughs> I actually I actually beep, can't, beep. I, I can't I can't escape Sam Vokes. I even benched him <laughs> this week, and miraculously, Jason Punch and. Uh, comes up with an injury and doesn't even make the Crystal Palace bench. Yeah. And there he is, Sam Vokes, gifted an Everton goal. I mean, he, <laughs> he didn't really have to work for that one. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do that much better than you. I did I did at least win our head-to-head this game week. I burned four points. I I, I don't really – I just – I needed a shake-up. I needed to start re- changing my team around a little bit. It's, it's, it's not been a great year for me, and I've been – you know, I, I don't know. It's just yeah. – 
I have my excuses, but I'll just say that it's it hasn't. I, I've had a little bit of bad luck. I think I think last week in particular was kind of an unlucky week. But um, looking past all of that, I, I want to look forward. And so I uh, I brought in Walcott, which seemed like a pretty essential move. I mean, I, I don't I don't even feel that bad that he only picked up three points because it was it was just the it was the right move. And sometimes you make the right move and it doesn't work out. You know, right. yeah. To use like the million poker analogy on here. Um, every, every game week I need, I, I make at least one poker analogy. I think it's just like, it's, it's so <laughs> well, ingrained in me. To I had, I had Macaulay on the bench and I couldn't, uh, for a second feel bad about that because exactly. why, why would I have started Macaulay in, in that match? Uh, you know, this is like on, on Twitter. It's like every, like the, the official fantasy account every week is like posting these, these unlucky managers. And they're like, Oh, look how unlucky this team is. And it's like, they have Coutinho on the bench with 18 points or whatever. And it's like, well, why didn't you start Coutinho at home? It's like every time, like the three players in the bench are three players that anybody would have started if they were thinking clearly about the game. You know, it's like, it's off. It's, it's almost, they almost never show those. And it's like three players that like no one would ever own in their team. You know, it's always like three players who just should have been in the starting lineup to begin with. Oh yeah. The, the official FPL Twitter account was just harassing some guy all, all Saturday who had left both Shakiri and Christian Fuchs on his bench. And they're like, ha ha, there's another one for Shakiri, this poor old chap. <laughs> it's kind of mean. Yeah. Just, did you call him a poor old chaff? <laughs> no, poor old chap. Oh, well, there's chap. no, there's no place for chav on this podcast. <laughs> we barely even know what that word means as Americans. So, so yeah, I brought in, I brought in Walcott and I brought in Charlie Austin. Uh, Austin, I thought was a bit of a risk, but I, I, I did think that uh, Southampton could score away to, uh, to Man City, uh, which they did. I mean, it was just my bad luck that it was Redman who fell into a. I, I knew John Stones would make a giant mistake in this match, uh, and Redman was the lucky player who capitalized on it. Uh, Charlie Austin had a great chance at the end of the match, actually, and if he, he if did. he scores, that he probably probably ends up uh, on nine points. So yeah, he just uh, put it right down the keeper's throat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, it was a snapshot, you know, it's, it was just bad luck, but um, yes, but I feel good about having Austin and Walcott long-term. So it was, you know, it was because I won all my head to heads anyways. And I, I was kind of flat in terms of my overall ranking. I I'm, I'm just moving on from game week eight or game, game week nine, whatever game week it is. Yeah. My game one week. positive takeaway is I didn't tra- make any transfers going into game week nine. So I have a couple moves I could make going into 10, which we can talk Good. about later in the podcast. Excellent. But before we get there, Brandon, Hail Cheater Super League, there's a new number one in the Hail Cheater Super League. Woo! And it's our, our Facebook Photoshop extraordinaire, Mitch Maynard. His team, BTSTU, is in the top <laughs> spot after scoring 52 points this game week. Grand total of 539 points. So well done to I, you, Mitch. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here, Brandon. I happen to be Facebook friends with Mitchell Maynard. And this guy is living his best life. <laughs> Dude, That's tell all me more. I can say. Just every time I see a photo or an update, this guy is just, he is happy. He's He's loving it. He's just... He is like I. He's he's my hero, basically. <laughs> Mitch Maynard, you're you're a good guy, and he's number one in the in the Hail Cheater Super League. It's incredible. If you want to see someone who's not living their best life, because <laughs> say maybe they're in four hundred and fifty third place <laughs> in the Hail Cheater Super League, you're welcome to find me and friend me on Facebook. I do feel that you've, you've taken a tumble the last couple of weeks, haven't you? You were up in the you're in the top hundred thousand, weren't you? Before uh... yeah, I was I was well in the eighty eighty thousand range, which you know is nothing yeah. to really brag about. But I had I had some wind behind me, but now. Yeah. Now I now I am falling down the ranks. I'm like just hovering in the like high three hundred thousands right now. You have a short twenty nine weeks and 
seven months or whatever to go. So I think I think you're okay. All right, let uh, me let me give a quick shout out to the rest of the top ten yeah. here. Um, I know you have trouble saying these people's names, Josh. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take it out of your hands. Please do. In second place, it's David Felheim, the Cuddly Koalas. In third, eighteen, that's Arshan Batawala's team. Fourth place, Farhad Al-Takir, Cortoba FC is his squad. Probably Ellipses in fifth place, Calvin Chan's team. In sixth, it's Kem Vidar, Durdobotelis. Yeah, I actually had a little bit of that in my hand. Dermatologists, they will get rid of it, thankfully. They're doing, they're doing wonderful things with modern medicine these days. Seventh place, seventh place, Lads on Torre. That's Nick Forster's team. Hanging around the top ten all year, man. Nick, Nick Forster, keeping it going. That is one great tour those lads are on. <laughs> Eighth place, On Your Eater, Son. A shout-out to the, our uh, fan favorite, the Game Eater. The Euro <laughs> Cup winner. I assume, I think there are multiple eaters, aren't there? That's true. I don't know if it's a good eater or the bad eater. <laughs> That's Arlen uh, Krasniki's team in eighth place there. Ninth place, Wallington Wanderers, Dan Clark's squad, and we have a tie at 517 points. Tenth and eleventh place, we'll give you both shout-outs. Victor Alander gets the edge at tenth place. His squad is Power, And in eleventh, Forkon's eleven, Forkon Azam. And uh, he had 53 points on the game week. So there you have it, our technically top 11 in the Hail Cheaters Super League. It's never too late to join. Just go to our website, alwayscheating.com, click the League tab, and there is an auto-join button right there for your yeah. ease. I also have links in our Facebook and Twitter pages. All right, it wouldn't be a game week without a meltdown, right, Josh? That's right. Uh, we have two meltdowns this week. Uh, first one comes from Kevin Mann, who says, um, this actually comes from Saturday, but I decided to save it and use it as a meltdown on here. Kevin Mann says, 85th minute, I had four clean sheets, including nine points for Van Anhalt's. Next five minutes, I lost three of them, and I saw the Ozil goal disallowed. Hashtag what could have been. Those were two shocking moments. The van, the, the I mean, the, the, lo- the, the lost clean sheet for Sunderland was... Pretty incredible, and uh, yeah. I would have been kind of annoyed actually because I, I I have uh, I have the bad Kone on my bench, yeah, and uh, that would have been a lost clean sheet for me. I mean, it had uh, it had to be a Winston Reed screamer from outside the box, didn't it? <laughs> it went through twenty one players. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, <it did. laughs> what are the odds? Impossible. It was an impossible goal. Yeah, it's just not the season for clean. I mean, there were more clean sheets this week than in, in that general. Goal basically survived storming Omaha Beach. So there were the odds <laughs> of it. It was like the beginning of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> exactly. That ball uh, was Tom yeah, Hanks. The Ozil goal must have must have affected. Actually, you told me a little story about the Ozil oh, goal. Oh yeah, it was a, it was a classic uh, domestic situation where the wife is in the kitchen dutifully uh, making our eggs for the morning. I had made the coffee, mind you, and I was getting up to help her, and I turn my head to see the situation as I'm walking into the kitchen, and Ozil's got the ball in the back of the net, and I just scream joyously, so much <laughs> that I scare all the living creatures in my apartment from cat to woman. <laughs> And uh, then I see it's disallowed, and I immediately shut down and, and ask Lila, like, okay, what do you need me to do to get my <laughs> mind off this, this horror show? Yeah. Goals change games, and goals also change fantasy weekends. Mm, that's well, well put, Brandon. You can put that on my tombstone. <laughs> Want to do the second one? All right, Nick Edge wrote in, he says, uh, set to ditch Ibra, then got an offer of tickets to take Sun to Manchester United Burnley. So I held. Never mix FPL in real life. Normally watch Bradford. 
<laughs> I like the the Bradford postscript to this. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like the, just just the, so you know, I, I'm not a fan of Manu or Burnley. I'm, I'm a Bradford man through and through. Also, I think just taking your son to a Bradford match sounds well. I, I actually know nothing of Bradford, but either, anyway, you slice it. If he had held Ibra or dropped Ibra, being at that United game, he's going to have mixed feelings one way or another. This actually gets to a problem that I sometimes have in fantasy, which is that if I know that I can't watch a match, like there's one match that I know I'll be able to watch and one match that I know that I can watch. Part of me does sometimes it's, it's, it's bad gameplay. I will, I will grant you, but you want to, you, you sometimes want to captain the player that you're going to be able to watch or transfer in the player that you're going to watch. And it's, it, it's never a good idea. You know, it's right. just, yeah, because in my experience, I'm such a junkie. I like all the games. Oh, yeah. I, I don't I don't need a player in the game to enjoy it. So it's it's false. It's false logic. You know, it doesn't. Uh, and in fact, I probably enjoy watching games more when I don't have a player in them. Even when there are like the classic matches that happen multiple times a season where where commentators are like, God, we just suffered through that 90 minutes of a complete bore fest. To me, it's just it's like pleasurable white noise. <laughs> exactly. like, I'm happy to just sit like with a vacant expression on my face in front of the television watching a totally boring game I'm like, well, at least I'm not at work. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I actually am at work while I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, how many goals does it play? I don't want to get too uh, off topic here, but how many goals does a player have to score that you own in a game for you to start enjoying that game? I need, a, I, I need at a least minimum. two. <laughs> at least. Two. But then you're, but then you're like, well, I have to have the hat trick now. <laughs> And you'll if be disappointed get, when they don't get the hat trick. It's like I find a way to to not enjoy any of it. You know, it's like if I get one goal, I'm like, all right, that's a good start. You know, I, yeah. I get two, I get two goals, and I'm like, well, that's awesome. But now, now I want the hat trick. Uh, you get three, and you're like, man, I'm glad I captained this player, but which his ownership level was lower. You know, the <laughs> ideal, like the, the, the absolute <laughs> ideal situation, right, is if say this is in an alternate reality, but you captain Pedro. Mm-hmm. And right, Pedro exactly. scores at the thirty-second mark. Like right. if your if your captain player hasn't scored within the first ten minutes, you start to be like, "Well, I've I totally blew it this week." Yeah, we all know those matches that you're like four minutes into the match and you're like, "This is going to end nil nil." I have no <laughs> doubt in my mind. Like, there's absolutely no way this will end with any other scoreline. They're not and even going to play often, a second half. It often turns out to be true. Brandon, I'm excited. Yeah, what I'm do we have in store this right pod? So we got an interesting episode here, Brandon. This is our bonus point episode. Uh, we're going to talk about bonus points. We're going to talk about the overall leaders through the first nine weeks of the season. And we're going to talk about the overall leaders in each individual bonus point category. I'm not sure how many people have actually taken the time, if ever, to go to the um, – the. I, don't, I think it's, it's like on the help page or the scoring page or something like that on the website. Yeah. And actually looked at all of the different ways that players accrue bonus points. Um, and there's there's really quite a few, uh, both positive and negative. And so we're going to go through those. We're going to talk about the the leaders in each category, um, players who you know have the most clearances or have uh, the most recoveries, who uh, have missed the most big chances, who have been caught offside the most. Uh, a certain name is going to be popping up very often in this discussion. Mm. Uh, so uh, yeah, so let's let's take a quick break and then we'll we'll jump right into it. Same old podcast, always cheating. Okay, we're back, and we're going to talk about bonus points, peeling back the curtain to, to uh, discover one of the more confounding things about the FPL game. 
And uh, there's an important distinction we have to draw here, right, Josh? We have to uh, draw a distinction between bonus points, so that's like one point, two point, three points that are dished out after a match, or what we're going to call BAPs. And those are um, the the actual accumulated BPS points that actually trigger the one, two, or three points. So you look at a guy like Lauren Koscielny, who we're going to discover is a real magnet for BAPs. Over the course of a game, he might have like 35 BAPs, which would lead to him getting one, two, or three bonus points. Exactly. And so, you know, you find that there, there are certain defenders who are particularly good at the skills that, that you know, allow them to crew bonus points, you know, things like clearances and recoveries. Uh, it has, you know, works the other way as well. You have certain players, and I, I always think of Luis Suarez because three or four years ago, the bonus point system really punished you for shots off target. Mm-hmm. And Luis Suarez is the kind of guy who could rack up like 18 shots in a game pretty easily. Right. Uh, only like, you know, he'd score like two goals, but, you know, the other 16 shots would be off target. And somehow he'd score two goals and a 2 nothing win, and he'd end up with like one bonus point. Well, additionally, he would have a lot of unsuccessful take-ons, which would be negative right. baps because every time he got the ball, he'd turn and go directly to goal, and and yeah. you know, occasionally he's going to get tackled. Exactly. All right. And so as we we're at, as we, we're going to see in a moment here, there's there's one particular expensive striker who is really uh, who is really not carrying his share of the load in terms of accruing uh, baps this season. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we're going to break down the individual baps categories, but before we do that, Josh, you're going to uh, outline the top 10 BAPS getters this season so far yeah, for Game Week 9. I'll, I'll do the first five, Brandon. You can do the second five, all right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, the overall leader in terms of total BAPS this season is Laurent Koscielny. Uh, he costs $6.4 million. His form is $8 million in the last several game weeks. Uh, and he has 225 total BAPS. Now, this isn't surprising if you actually watch these matches because Laurent Koscielny is kind of the all-everything player in this team. Mm-hmm. Um did you watch the Middlesbrough match? I, I did. You did, actually. Yeah, I did. Yeah. He made an incredible clearance at the, right at the end of that match. I mean, a, you know, a goal-saving a goal saving tackle. Yeah. Uh, um, and he, he just does all the time. And he, he knocks in the occasional goal, and he brings in game-winning goals, which is another thing that, that um, helped you acquire backs. And he's just uh, an all-around uh, fantastic player, one of the best center backs in the league. It's interesting. So, we, we did do a, a comparison a couple episodes ago, uh, Koscielny to Mustafi. And Mustafi had some really compelling stats, and he tends to get a little forward, and he's trying to provide service from the back and distribution more so than Koscielny. But so far, Koscielny's having a great season, and <laughs> he's doing everything necessary to get those baps. And I think this... Uh, either draws Koscielny even or makes him a far better value than Mustafi. It's it's a great illustration of how how you know making sure that you're managing your your overall team value and the amount of money you have in your bank can really make a big difference. Because uh, about three weeks ago, I was looking at bringing in either Lauren. I, I wanted to bring in Lauren Koscielny, and there's just no way I could make it work. I was point one short, uh, so I ended up bringing in Nacho Monreal and. While Monreal hasn't been a disaster at all, uh, I've probably lost something like a minimum of 10 points, maybe even like closer to between like 10 and 12 points as a result of bringing in uh, Monreal and Koscielny, mostly because Koscielny was able to score a goal and then picked up three bonus points. Uh, and then I think he picked up two over the weekend as well. So, um, you know, it really helps to to bring in the best defender you can. You right. right, right, uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the next two players are actually tied for second. It's uh, Philippe Coutinho and James Milner, and uh, they both have 217 bonus points. Uh, no big surprise given how many goals they've both scored this season. Uh, interestingly enough, James Milner is still at 7.6% ownership, still uh, pretty 
pretty pretty low ownership, I would think. You know, considering that he's on penalties, and you know, with the run of fixtures coming up for Liverpool, it's an interesting option. The issue there, and I think we're actually going to talk about this a little bit later in the podcast, is doubling up or on your midfield coverage, and there are so many sexy Liverpool midfield options, right. and James Milner is just not that, even though he's got these bats. For a point four more, you can have Alana, who seems like the better option. Right. And it's basically you're relying on Liverpool getting a penalty for James yeah. Milner to actually come into play because he's yeah. not getting clean sheets, even though he's playing defense. Yep. Uh, in fourth place is uh, Daily Blind. Uh, you and I were talking about a little bit before um, this episode came out. Not even a player who necessarily seemed like he was going to be in that squad at the start of the season uh, has kind of become an essential player for Man United. And with with Eric Bailey out, or Bay or Bay uh, out like probably through January because of his injury and then because the African combinations. Right. Uh, Daily Blind is kind of an interesting option at five point seven million. It's probably the one player who's, who's you know locked into that defense right now. What a strange uh, journey yeah. it has been for Daily Blind going to Manchester <laughs> United, thinking he's yeah. going to play a defensive midfield role, and he's been much like all James Miller, place. just rotated all over the shop. He's too good. Uh, you know, it's it's actually it's it's like Wayne Rooney. You know, it's, it's he's so versatile that he it's kind of impossible. Not, actually, Rooney doesn't play anymore, but right. um, Blind is faster. A lot so, of people so, were, were pointing out that Blind did not have a good match against um, Chelsea over the weekend, but I think it's just unfair to say because that entire United team looked like total hot garbage. Yeah, Blind's no, not going to do it all on his own. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in fifth place, it's actually a five, a, th- a three-way tie for fifth. Uh, it's Diego Costa, Christian Fuchs, and Kyle Walker. Now they all have two hundred and eleven total baps. And the play that stuck out for me in this one is Christian Fuchs. Yeah, it's who, wild. Totally yeah, wild. That is that is wild. He's uh, five point four million, so he's actually down point one million from his uh, his starting price. Uh, ownership level at seven point seven percent. He's actually owned by the player I had to play in my head to head this week. It was very annoying. Uh, <laughs> uh, what luck! Yeah, yeah, but he is. Um, yeah, so he is an interesting option. And you know, Leicester's fixtures actually get a little bit better in the coming weeks. And I mean, Christian Fuchs. Anybody who knows anything about Christian Fuchs as a person uh, <laughs> or just a character, I mean, he is like the most likable player in the league, right? Like, if you, if you could pick any single player to go have a beer with, I think I'd pick Christian Fuchs. Yeah, and he's also appeals to Americans in that he harbors this dream of being an NFL kicker. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, I think he's just had a, looking back at his stats, he's just had a couple of monster game weeks. Uh, he he got like something like 35 baps over the weekend with his with his goal and his clean sheet. And then... Um, well, he lost the clean sheet. Or, yeah, with, with just his goal, which I think he probably would have had, you know, more than 50 or close to 60 baps had yeah. that been the case. It is crazy that... Um, um, oh, I can't even think of his name right now. The Crystal Palace, uh, Johan Kabaye picked up all three bonus points in that match. A 3-1 loss on the road. Side note, Kabai has fallen into this bleach well, along with all the other um, uh, nut nut job uh, luxury players across Europe. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, 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 okay, I realize I'm sounding like my dad right now. <laughs> all right, I, I'm, I'm happy to see Kyle Walker up here. Because what does bleach well even mean? Is, 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 what, is, what is bleach well? Oh, he bleached his hair. He did that whole sort of platinum oh, okay. blonde thing that Messi and Arnautovic and... I thought, uh, I thought Bleachwell was like some English slang that I didn't know. 
Uh, this has been the episode of me painting wildly poetic um, images that mean actually nothing when when you stop to think about them. But I'm just imagining Kabai falling down a well filled with bleach. That probably is going to do more than uh, just bleach his hair. It'll probably harm him indefinitely. <laughs> anyway, Kyle Walker, I'm pleased to see him up here. I mean, he's he has the highest ownership of anybody in this top 10 list at 38%. But uh, he's he's one of those guys where you kind of had to get up get aboard early with Kyle Walker. He's now up to six point yeah. million. I know at six point one. He's I, I really I wish I would have brought him at five point five. Uh, all right, Brian, we've got three players left. Do you want to go through them? All right, Caesar Espilacueta, Dave from Chelsea. He miraculously his value hasn't gone up, but I expect that'll change pretty quickly given the form that Chelsea's on. Six point million, ten point eight percent ownership he's not far behind that uh, uh that group of pack of 211 he's got 207 bps and then kevin de bruyne uh somebody who's been a little mercurial fpl wise and real world wise the last month or so 206 baps and bringing up the rear this is uh i think that's a bournemouth defender <laughs> smith, smith. <laughs> it's just smith just smith. he actually does he doesn't have a first name. It's just Smith. He's the Brazilian Smith. <laughs> He's got 205 baps and uh, a healthy Adam, ownership Adam, of 12.3. Adam Smith. He, he has uh, a name, and his name is Adam. Yeah, 4.7 million uh, is his price. I, I Again, I just want to point everyone towards Cesar Espelicueta. The Chelsea team is, is really switching into another gear right now, and he is just a fantastic uh, fullback for them, and he is the most likely to get best though. Um, Let's not overlook Smith, whoever he is. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. And Born- Bournemouth, Bournemouth actually has a nice run of fixtures coming yeah. up. And I was, I was also thinking of Arthur Burrich. Mm-hmm. Um, he he does pop up on a few BPS Kick, BAPS categories. Kicking, yeah, I'm kicking myself for not bringing in Borich instead of uh, my yeah. r- ludicrous Loris Carius move. I, I had one wild card, and when I when I made my wild card, I, made, I had one like kind of off there. I, I wanted to like just one fun, not like very lowly owned player, right? And uh, it just completely backfired on me because if there is a single corner kick in a Liverpool match, they will concede a goal. Yeah, Borich looked fantastic over the weekend. The Bournemouth has coming up. Middlesbrough, Sunderland, and Stoke till they hit Arsenal in game week thirteen. All right, so let's let's get into the actual bonus points themselves. How does one get BAPS, Brandon? Well, you have to do a a, a number of actions, Josh. <laughs> the first of which, if you look at goalkeepers and defenders, if they score a goal, they get immediately get served twelve BAPS. All right. So there's a five way tie right there uh, with uh, Scott Dan, Holobas, Koscielny, McCauley, and Van Anhalt. All these guys, uh, prime prospects, except maybe Van Anhalt, because that Sunderland team is um, just a tire fire. Yeah, they find a way to lose. <laughs> they do. But, um, I mean, who do you like best here? Scott Dan, it would be great for him to actually come back from injury. I know a lot of managers yeah. are waiting to get him into that Bad spot. Crystal Palace team. Have they kept a single clean sheet all season? It's true. I guess you were just yeah. relying on Scott Dan to go up for a corner yeah. kick at some point. Yeah, I mean, Holobos is the sexy choice. I, I think that Van Anhalt's... I, I assuming that Sutherland does eventually. I mean, this team is bound to run into some good form at some point, right? And yeah, and he'll get your points even if he doesn't. Uh, you know, even if he doesn't score. I mean, Van Aanholt's probably down to what is he's like probably like four point nine or something like that. Uh, let me see if I can pull him up real quick. He is he's five million, so he's he's a little expensive at five million actually. Now it looks like he's got a bit of a groin injury. So yeah, stay yeah, away. I got a groin injury. 
Yeah. Gareth McCauley, though, like, don't sleep on this guy. He's he's at 4.8. He's already gone up from 4.5, but he is value on that West Brom team. He is a goal scorer, and he can uh, do well with the clean sheets because of the Pulis effect. Yeah. Uh, midfielder scoring a goal, pick up 18 BAPs, and there's a two-way tie with five goals. Walcott and... The now much maligned Antonio, Michael Antonio, who is uh, who plays a different position every game. He is sometimes he's the coach, sometimes he's the trainer, sometimes he's the uh, <laughs> water left boy. back, water boy. Sometimes he plays left back, and then every now and then he plays as a midfielder. I was thinking like uh, uh, over the weekend he actually held up the extra time signboard on the sidelines. It was really phenomenal. It's like it's like there was some sort of karmic retribution for his amazing goal celebrations. It's like he, he celebrated too hard too early, flew too close to the sun. And uh, now he's being punished by never getting like a chance in the box again. Well, even when he was scoring earlier in the season, he would score goals when West Ham was getting just uh, throttled and it would be in poor form for him to do a wacky celebration when the team was losing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, forward scoring a goal. Who, who do we got here, Brandon? Well, it's 24 BAPs. So this is interesting just to look across, uh, up up the field. Goalkeepers, defenders, 12 BAPs for a goal. Midfield, 18. Forwards really collecting BAPs with 24 if they score a goal. The big winner is the league leader in goals scored. That's Diego Costa with seven. Lukaku not far behind with six. Brock Toon, five. Austin Defoe and Ibrahimovic. On four goals, I think I can scratch Defoe and Ibra off this list for the time being. <laughs> it's impressive that Austin has four, though. I mean, I think he's only started started five matches. All it is season. impressive. I mean, he is he is a hot property right now, Charlie Austin. Yeah, no doubt. Assists. Uh, this one's kind of interesting. Uh, we have uh, De Bruyne. Uh, so you pick up nine BAPs for an assist, which seems a little low to me, don't you think? It does. I think that, it certainly yeah. does. Which it's a it's a wonder how much else Ozil is doing on the field to collect BAPs in addition to assist, um, whereby he's like guaranteed to get one, two, or three if he does anything in a match. Yeah, that's true. I, I think this should be closer to 12. Uh, De Bruyne uh, leads with six. Matic and Payet are, set, are tied for second with five, and I somehow didn't realize that, that Matic had picked up five assists already this season. I have been sleeping on that, man. Yeah, exactly. I, had, I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, he's only five million. I, guess, I suppose he's a Kind. Of, I mean, he's, it's, it's, I guess it's the year of defensive midfielders contributing in an attacking way, right? If You've I, got if I Joe Allen. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> if I were challenged to think of a less sexy player than James Milner, it would have to be Nemanja Matic. If you had asked me how many assists Matic had going into this podcast, I would have said between zero and one. I yeah. just somehow did not. Yeah, I, maybe I don't watch enough Chelsea. I don't know. Uh, and then uh, right behind uh, Madrid and Payet is uh, Alexis Sanchez with four, which is uh, pretty pretty impressive for Sanchez. I know he's been linking up really well with uh, with Ozil so far this season. Yeah, the points have just been spread so much around that Arsenal midfield. It's it's just kind of funny. Walcott's coming out ahead. I, yeah, I do wonder well where we'll be with all those guys at the end of the season. Yeah. All right. Next up, goalkeepers, defenders, keeping a clean sheet. This is worth twelve baps. And uh, right now we have a tie for a three-way tie for goalkeepers: Czech, Courtois, and Loris. Defenders: It's Walker and Vertonghen, uh, both Spurs players at at uh, five clean sheets. 
Kishelny, Bellerin, Monreal, Azpilicueta, Cahill, and Toby Alderweireld all on four clean sheets. Yeah, so if there's if there's a theme here, it's it's Arsenal, Chelsea, and Spurs are the three different, three teams that are actually keeping clean sheets so far this year. Yeah, there is going to be a big run on Chelsea going into game week ten. I think it's interesting. I haven't watched a lot of Chelsea this year for whatever reason. I, I haven't actually owned a Chelsea player so far this season. I don't know how that's how that's actually come to pass, but. Uh, no, that's actually that's not true. I've had I had Hazard for uh, several weeks uh, at the start of the season. Uh, it's still, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's interesting. They just have such a mixed run of fixtures coming up: yeah. Southampton, Everton, and Middlesbrough, Spurs, City, and then West Brom in game week fifteen. So it's it's going to be very challenging for them. Yeah, and Dika Costa is the only player who feels like a, a, a near essential pick on that team. I mean, I really, I I don't have him, and I actually don't have any plans to bring him in. But I'm sort of scared of not having him any. any How any astounding game was it that Costa didn't force a yellow card over the weekend? <laughs> I know, and he and then they scored four goals, and he didn't have any points. It's, it's turning into a Surprising. weird one for Costa. He's not, not sure how to read that. Right, Saving. Well, Okay, let's let's move on here. Saving a penalty, we got a lot of these. We'll try, we'll try to speed this up a little bit. Saving a penalty is uh, fifteen baps, and uh, the leader is Stecklenburg, who picked up two all in uh, all in the same game. Uh, one of them was against my captain, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> one of them was was an amazing KDB save, which I'm still. I, I just what a. I was so happy when that happened. <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> to watch. I mean, it was it was the same penalty take as Aguero had later in the match. It wasn't. It wasn't yeah. like the best penalty save you'll ever see yeah but it did change that the the outlook of that game yeah and the, there are six other keepers that have one penalty save and i was too lazy to write them out here so you can you can go look those up yourself save we pull, we, yeah. this this stuff is all available online different ways <laughs> we just we just called it all together here uh now we get to the uh small time baps things just just a save that a keeper makes is worth two baps so you need mm-hmm. to accumulate a lot of saves I grew up a small time baps Brennan. you may not know this <laughs> <laughs> Tom Heaton is the big winner here with 47 saves so he is he's just got baps falling out of his his socks <laughs> during these matches It's kind of extraordinary. that's 84 total baps just on saves alone uh, Pickford with 33 saves and then Burrich and Foster tied at 32. I mean, Pickford, I think Pickford, the only justification you can still make for him, given the state of that Sunderland team is, is his price. It, well, he's, he's second. And I think he's only started what six matches all season. So that is true. I mean, yeah. He's definitely accumulated a lot of baps over a short period of time, but of these guys, I think Tom Heaton and maybe Burrich are, are the best picks at the moment. Yeah, I think I think I, I think I agree. I, yeah, I think Boric in particular. I mean, I still don't know about Burnley. It, it seems like they can't quite. They're not quite keeping a clean sheet. You know, like they're sort of they 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 play teams very tough, and then they kind of right at the end they seem to. They yeah, seem I think to I heard give a stat away. that they haven't kept a clean sheet at all away from home this season. Yeah, which is kind of surprising considering how I don't know. I guess sometimes they just get blo- like they just get totally blown out of the water away, right? Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's funny that they're playing <laughs> United three, over the weekend. Yeah, I know that could be uh, could be dangerous for for us non Ebra owners, but you know who knows at this point with Ebra. Okay, now the now the sexy stat worth one bap successful open play cross Jason Punchin twenty four <laughs> successful open play. It, it's the first time Punchin has led in anything in his life, and I think it's wonderful, and I think it's great for him. 
she even well, I think he her. I think I think he was the overall leader in players who left a match to go take a dump. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. how many bats so, is that worth? Like forty? I think he picked up yeah, so he broke the game that week. <laughs> William here with 22. Um, so it'll be good to get William back into that Chelsea lineup, though. At the, I mean, I could see him come. Pedro will easily give up his spot for William when he's it's, healthy it's so, again. It's so funny to see, yeah, to see Punchin, William, and Tadic in this top five. Yeah, oh, right. I'm sorry. I'll finish the list. I'm sorry. I, I jumped ahead. Yeah, no. So Tadic at 19. But before you get to Tadic, it's Pyatt and KDB. They're tied at 20 crosses apiece. So if I if I do my math correctly, Pyatt's got 20 crosses in open play. That's 20 baps. That's not bad. <laughs> I think you. I think you did the math right. Uh, yeah, Tadic has been pretty disappointing, but you know, Pyatt and KDB, uh, no surprise there. I'm actually surprised that uh, Ozil isn't in this top five. I am too. If, uh, I, I'm not sure if that worries me or not as an Ozil owner. I, Ozil just looks so class right now. I have to believe that the stats are going to catch up to yeah. him at some point. Uh, for every two clearances, blocks, and interceptions, interception, you receive one bonus point. So I can't believe how much work I did to put this together. But <laughs> clearances, you have uh, Keen and Cook. Remember our famous our friend Cook, Brandon from earlier. <laughs> yeah. This is where this is where Cook shines. He has Adam 86, 86 clearances. He's tied with Keen. Uh, Keen no, is we were, the, uh, see, the this is how team. this is how interchangeable Bournemouth defenders are because I think we were talking about Adam Smith earlier, and this is another oh. another first nameless <laughs> Bournemouth defender. Sorry, to, sorry to any Bournemouth fans who are listening out there who can't believe we haven't memorized the very forgettable yeah. first names. Of, Smith. Don't forget Daniels. Daniels. Uh, all right. And then you have uh, Vertonghen and me with 85 uh, blocks. You have uh, Curtis Davies, who uh, remember when he was kind of a fan, as he asked a couple years ago, and no one's no one has any any hole. He any was hole, actually uh, a fantasy asset, like for the first couple of game weeks this season until everyone saw Hull just completely revert to expected form. Yeah. And then uh, Keen is actually second here. You know, Keen is a player who uh, I know that. Uh, Chelsea was looking at at least before the season started. I guess they're probably not now because they just brought in two new guys. But uh, Keane is like you know an up and coming defender who's probably not going to be playing for Burnley much longer. He's he's second with eighteen, mm-hmm. and then Cook, uh, whoever he is, is uh, <laughs> is third is third with thirty. Way to go, Cook! Yeah. Uh, then interceptions. We have Davies once again with forty six, and you can tell this guy is just. I mean, part of it is I guess they're just getting attacked in every if, match. Yeah. If you look at this list of names, it's all guys on terrible teams. You know, Burnley, Hull. I guess we've got Vertonghen, and, and you'll get Montreal. you'll get to it, and Monreal in a second. Interceptions. We have Davies once again with forty six. Uh, your boy George Friend what with thirty three. Love that. What a what a wonderful haircut George Friend has. <laughs> it's a nice haircut. It's kind of a Beatles cut. And then uh, Monreal is third with thirty one. So, congratulations to all of you. <laughs> uh, here's a mysterious one: a recovery. For every three recoveries, you get one bat. And uh, let's race through these. Drink water. One hundred and one recoveries. I Not think bad. that maybe means that you've been you've been skinned by your opponent, and then you recover to make yeah. a tackle or at least get behind the ball. It's really it's a defensive midfielder category. Yeah. So you got drink water. Uh, far and away the leader with one hundred and one recoveries. Then it's Conte with eighty two. Jordan Henderson seventy eight. Romeu are part of that really sort of machine like Southampton midfield. I'm not sure who. If anyone, you need to pick out from that Southampton midfield. Yeah, it's just it all would, about the forwards there. It wouldn't be Cuckoo Martina. 
I'll tell you that much. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, uh, Gway from Everton. And then it's Jason Punchin making his second appearance of the Bats breakdown, 66 recoveries. So that, that man is a real workhorse in the midfield for Palace. <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, successful tackle. Again, this is dominated by a defensive midfielder. How many Bats do I get for a successful tackle? You get two Bats. So it's actually more than you get for recoveries. All right. Um, and again, it's just useful to know this stuff. Just, you know, if you're debating between two different players, it's, you know, if, if they're on the same team or if they're, you know, it just this, this, you know, this, this can make a big difference over the long term. I mean, certain players are really are bonus point magnets. If they can do anything positive in a game, they're guaranteed to pick up three as as you referenced with uh, with Ozil earlier. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we've, but sometimes they're just defensive midfielders and you just can't on them. But it's it's kind of cool to know who the leaders are anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, so the, the leader in successful tackles is Gaye, Gway, however you say his name, the uh, the midfielder uh, for, for Everton. Yeah. Uh, then you've got Danny Drinkwater with 26, uh, Berrigan, Klugas, and Henderson. What a, what a, what a quintet. That is a quint- that's a superstar. That's an all-star. That's a dream team right there. <laughs> Pass completion is an interesting BAP category because depending on the percentage of completed passes you get, you either get two BAPs, four BAPs, or six BAPs. So the most successful passers in the FPL game, in order, Jordan Henderson, Fernandinho, Conte, Cazorla, Drinkwater. Uh, there is that man again, Nemanja Matic and Dave Cesar Azpilicueta on great, great pass completion rates. I gotta say my my appreciation for Henderson has really has really increased looking at these. I mean, maybe not as a fantasy asset, but yeah, just him being a leader in recoveries, tackles, and pass completion is pretty impressive. Yeah, he's just a clinical player. He's there's nothing. Uh, I mean, he he did score that amazing worldy goal against Chelsea, but apart from that, he's just a man that is not going to lose possession of the ball, and he's he's going to uh, just keep the uh, the movement going. Is <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why I laughed. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, I, you know why I laughed? Because we're about to get to the fun stuff, which are the negative points. Yeah, let's get negative here. Yeah, you can lose points in this game. How do you lose points? Well, one way you do it is you concede a penalty. If you concede a penalty, that's minus three. And uh, two players have conceded two penalties so far this season. Jags, who kind of amazing because he's only played like three games all year. Uh, but he conceded both of them. I believe. Did, he was the one who could see the penalty in, in uh, two, two penalties against City, Manchester right? City. I mean, it, to be fair, that Everton defense was working their collective ass off that entire game. But yeah. those were some really awful penalties to no get away. No doubt penalties, both yeah. cases. Uh, and then Jose Font, which surprised me a little bit because I feel like Jose Font commits a penalty offense in almost every match. He does, yeah. And he can't believe it. Just look at his face. He's... <laughs> <laughs> he almost never gets called for it, though. He's very crafty, Jose Font. Yeah. Uh, missing a penalty. Boy, I, that never happens. That is worth <laughs> minus six bats. It's not quite the worst offense. The worst offense we'll actually get to in two two sections. Minus six bats for missing a penalty. There is a nine-way tie. So two, basically too many offenders to be named in this section. <laughs> uh, yellow cards. Uh, anytime you get a yellow card, it's minus three points, uh, which is really quite a lot if you think about it. And it's it's why if you get if you one of your players gets a yellow card in a match, you often tend to lose any chance of getting any bonus points from that. Oh yeah, there's nothing worse than uh, tracking a, one of your players who has uh, like a clean sheet and he's on two or three bonus points in yeah. the 85th minute, and then a needless yellow card comes and you just <laughs> so frustrating. Not yeah, only do you lose one, yeah. yeah, you could lose four points with one yellow. 
Yeah. Uh, Henderson, Yakov, and Evans uh, have five yellow cards already this season. And there's a nine-way tie for fourth. And I won't name all the players, but there are some interesting players in that list. Uh, many people know about Diego Costa, who's on four yellows. But did you know, Brandon, that Holobos, Arnatovic, Vertonghen, and Huth are all on four yellow cards? I didn't know that about Holobos. I mean, the FPL darling of the moment. And there he is, like, walking the tightrope. Yeah, Vertonghen's the same way, actually. It makes me a little less likely to bring him in. Yeah, that is scary. So Arnatovic, for that matter, too. Toby's out uh, with an injury. Vertonga gets a yellow card over the weekend. Uh, that could be. They'll be playing uh, Kurt Wimmer. Kurt Wimmer <laughs> will come out of his EFL shell. I think it's Kevin Wimmer, but Kurt Wimmer actually is even cooler. It's even more German. Oh, Kurt, Kevin Wimmer. Yeah, yeah. It was every he, he should he should just play for Bournemouth for how much I care about what his first is, name is. Is he Dutch? Is that is that what he? I can't remember. Uh, he is Austrian. That was close. Germany, Austria. The worst offense that one can do is a red card, and that is minus nine BAPS. And uh, there is an eight way tie for uh, people who have gotten red cards. You naughty boys, you know who you are. <laughs> all right now Missy. now we now we get to the special oh. bab section which we will call the uh zlatan ibrahimovic in memoriam baps section that's true missing a big chance uh there's a two-way tie here the, the names will not surprise you uh with six missed big chances it's ibrahimovic and walcott uh and then right behind them is uh, defoe with five and the with four uh the only name that surprises me here is defoe i i, I think of defoe as is actually a pretty clinical finisher yeah i was thinking uh, the exact same thing yeah, he doesn't get a lot of chances, but when he does, he, he tends to convert. But uh, Eber and Walcott, um, obviously, um, they've both missed a million chances. I mean, there was an interesting article. I, I shared it on the Twitter feed last week. It was a Stats Hub or a Stats Bomb, um, StatsBomb.com article about the way that we talk about missed chances. And, yeah. and you know, and it was about how, you know, the, these guys were all talking about this, this incredible – you know, missed shot at the end of the match by, by Walcott, this gimme shot. And he was mm-hmm. like, well, actually it turns out he was, you know, 35 feet away from goal and you trying know, to score off his it. head. Exactly. And you know, they, they, like there's like a 25% chance of like everything going right on that play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was, I, I followed that conversation too, which is very interesting. Made me much more sympathetic of say, thinking about that Charlie Austin uh, shot that went down Bravo's thro- throat you're yeah. thinking, well, just the the ability for Austin to collect that ball, keep it down, and put it on target is a miracle in and of itself. Now, I understand yeah. this guy has paid millions of dollars to do one thing, and why can't he just do that one thing so we can all have a happy Sunday morning? <laughs> uh, what else we got here, Brandon? Uh, conceding a foul, minus one. Ibra, 22. Um, he is conceding a lot of fouls there. Um, when the ball doesn't go directly to his feet, I think he just gets a little angry and he commits a foul. Um, Callum Wilson with 20, and then we have a, a triumvirate at 19 uh, collective concessions of fouls with Troy Deeney, Victor Wanyama, and uh, the man, Gareth Barry, in the Everton <laughs> midfield, who is uh, he is very good at doing that. It really shows what a, what a dynamic player Dini is that he's even, I mean, because, you know, Wanyam and Barry, you know, defensive midfielders, you expect them to concede fouls strategically, but Dini, man, he's, he gets in there. He's okay. all over the ball. Here's what I want to say about this. Conceding fouls, uh, I would expect the, the likes of Victor Wanyama, I always think of Claudio Jakob and West Brom, 
The mm-hmm. fact that he has been able to accumulate five yellow cards without even getting close to the top of our conceding foul <laughs> stats is just a testament to Jakob's efficiency in collecting yellow cards. It's true. He's a he's a marvel of efficiency when it comes to to racking up those yeah. those whys. All right, we've got two more categories. What's left? Uh, being caught offside is minus one. And I, I gotta say, I, I actually didn't even include a couple on here cause it's such a long list. Uh, like game winning goals, you get points for and playing more than 60 minutes, you get points for, so you, you can find all this stuff on the, on the FPL website. Um, but they won't package it quite as neatly as we have here. Yeah. Uh, being caught offside is negative one points. We're gonna call this the Befatimi Gummies Memorial section because oh, Gummies. Amazing ability to get caught offsides three to five million times in every match. Uh, Ibrahimovic, the man himself, once again, uh, leader in a lot of these categories, is tied with Sanchez and Benteke with 12. Your boy, the Volkswagen, with 11. Beep, and beep. then Delafeo De and Redman are, uh, are are behind them with nine. And I'm kind of amazed that Delafeo is this high up. Yeah. Uh, most, most, I guess, I mean, maybe he got caught offside like five times in that one match he played as a striker. You or know something. why Delafeo is caught offside so much is because he's complaining to like the official <laughs> on the sideline right. and then suddenly the, for so long that the play already comes back to him and he's standing <laughs> in an offside position. Yeah. All right, what's the what's the last game? The last one, shots off target. That is worth minus one baps. Ibrahimovic taking the trophy again on this one. He's he's going to need to get a, a a shopping cart to put all these <laughs> baps trophies in. Eighteen times he's missed. He's put a shot off target, and uh, his his United colleague Paul Pogba, seventeen shots off target. Benteke with fifteen. Salon Rondon, hey, how you doing? Thirteen shots off <laughs> nice target. To see you, nice to see you. Thanks for joining us. And KDB and Antonio, which I didn't even know that Antonio could put his shot off target. I feel like it, every time he touches the ball, he scores a goal. Yeah. Uh, so just to recap here, when it comes to missing a big chance, conceding a foul, being caught offside, or having a shot off target, Ibrahimovic is your man. <laughs> he is your man. Uh, so he basically needs to score a goal to make up for all the baps that he's in the hole for at some point during the game. Yeah. This was really interesting, Josh. I mean, it's kind of a slog of data, but it, it is true. Like, we can look at all sorts of stats like touches in the box and, uh, you know, uh, uh, chances created and all of that. But bonus points are often what separates you from your head-to-head loss or win, right? Yeah, exactly. It made the difference. I mean, I, I picked up three bonus points from Simon Francis this week, and that was enough for me to to beat you in our head-to-head match. So, um, yeah, definitely makes a big difference. So we should put this uh, chart up on alwayscheating.com on our blog section just so people can – it's like it's like we just went through a recipe for, uh, for a chocolate <laughs> cake, and if right. people want to make it at home – they can yep. just go to our website. So we'll 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 do that and we'll tweet it out in case you want a, a recap of, of where people stand on BAPS at this point in Perfect. the season. All right, Brandon, let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to answer some listener questions and then we're going to get out of here. Same old podcast, always All right, Brandon, we're on listening questions, and we went a little long in the bonus point section. So we're going to do this lightning round style. No, like, let's just try to, you know, I don't even know. I'm cracking my knuckles. I'm ready yeah. to go. Let's rock. First two questions are about midfielder double-ups. Eric Four says, I feel having more than two players from one team in your squad will doom fantasy managers this season. Diversity is king. Uh, Johnny Reed says, take the plunge and go 3-5-2 with three Liverpool mids. 
Coutinho, Firmino, and Mane. Liking this idea if I had my wild card left. Wow, so how are, do you feel about those are very two those are like two opposing viewpoints. <laughs> they really are. One is no yeah, one is more than two players will do me the other one is three mids is the way to go. Yeah, one of the most compelling cliches that I hear talking about FPL is is coverage. And I think coverage is really important. And look at Arsenal Liverpool midfielders are the most interesting case studies this season so far because both teams have kind of been spreading the points around. Walcott has been benefiting for Arsenal, but you've got Sanchez and Ozil in the mix as well. And then Liverpool, as Johnny points out, you've got Coutinho, Firmino, and Mane. And heck, you could even throw Lalana in there. Like once a month, Lalana is probably going to outscore those guys for, mm-hmm. for one reason or another. But uh, I, I err more toward the side of diversity is king because of the whole coverage angle. And if say Johnny goes three Liverpool mids and Liverpool just happens to go on a bad run. It's a lot of points he's missing out on. Well, maybe three mids. Um, I, I think that, you know, two mids and a defender. I mean, that's what you've got with Arsenal right now. I mean, it's the problem is it's hard to find a team that, that that's complete enough to do it. I mean, with Arsenal, I don't, I really see no problem with having Lauren Koscielny or Bellerin as well as Walcott Nozel. I mean, that's a pretty great trio right yes, there. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I guess I'm, I misspeak if I say like tripling up on any team. I'm thinking of tripling, tripling up in a particular position. Cause okay. you're, you're right. Like I have two Arsenal mids and an Arsenal defender and I don't, I, I see that basically as effective coverage for one of the best right. teams in the league right now. Yeah. It, it generally tends to be the case that if you're a, if you're, if you're very strong defense, you don't tend to have as much attacking potential. And if you have a strong attack like Liverpool does, they have a great attack. Uh, they don't seem to be able to defend, at least not on set pieces. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and so, yeah, you can you can overload things a little bit. I mean, I honestly think, I mean, if you look at Liverpool's fixtures over the next, you know, I don't even know. It's, it's a long time. Like you, you can go like basically like 10 weeks of fixtures and. They're they're basically all good. I mean, they like they barely have a difficult fixture. I mean, by the time Christmas rolls around, I think there's a pretty good chance they're actually going to be leading the league. Yeah. Um. You know. So I think that I think in that case, you you could make an argument. I mean, it's um, it'd be nice if you could diversify it a little bit. You know, they don't really have a forward right now, and so they're playing Firmino kind of as the false nine, I guess. And yeah. Um. You know. So I, I guess three Liverpool mids does seem like a bit much to me. It but, seems ex- like Coutinho, yeah. Firmino, Amane also seems expensive. Yeah, well, I, I think I would go Firmino, Coutinho, and Lalana or or Milner uh, if I was going to have three. I mean, I think there's a way that it could work. I mean, I think that there's you know that you could have three and and it it's still okay because Liverpool is going to have enough matches where they score three, four, even five goals in a match that you could effectively have coverage for that. I actually think if you're going to have three Liverpool mids, you might want to have James Milner as one of those three just because he's on penalties. So if you, if you assume that team is going to be scoring four or five goals mm-hmm. every two or three weeks, mm-hmm. um, then you kind of want the guy who's on pens, right? And he certainly gets forward a lot as we talked about in a recent episode. Yeah. It's one way to solve the problem of the points getting spread around. Just get everybody. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is a, you know a few years ago. It was oh, do you need do you want uh, Sturridge or do you want Suarez? And you know, as we all learned, you needed both. Yeah, right. Exactly. All right, we have a few more questions to get through before we preview game week ten. The next one comes from Jeff Petter. Just how important is team value this season? I have a four million GK and a four point four fifth midfielder, both possible to drop this week. 
uh, in price, I assume Jeff means. I don't want to lose the value, but at the same time, I have other fires to put out in my team that are bigger priorities. So team value, I feel like, is something you've come around to on this season, Josh. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I didn't appreciate it before, but uh, oh, uh, sorry, I don't know, you might be able to hear my baby in the background. Uh, we sorry, have to sol- we have to soldier on. I think it's okay. It's just it's a baby. Fine. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that I, I think I think it's important. I mean, we, we talked at the top of the podcast about how you know that point one was enough for me to to not pick up Lauren Koscielny, and that's already cost me ten points that right. I you know that I can't get back. So um, I do think it's important. I don't think that I would. Um, that I would be, you know, not making necessary moves, replacing injured players, or, you know, as Jeff puts it, putting out other big fires um, in order to save point one or point two or whatever. I mean, sometimes you just got to take the hit. Absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, and who is Jeff going to move these guys to? A 4 million GK and a 4.4 fifth mid? Like, just if they drop, like, that's just bad yeah. luck. You, you're not yeah. going to replace them with a higher yeah. quality asset that's going to even be more for you. Even someone like Grant at Stoke, I mean, he's probably going to play two or three more matches, right? I think, uh, you know, I think, um, what's his name? Um, but, Butland? Butland, thank you, is back, I think, at the next uh, international break, or he's really back by, by December, so. We'll be waiting for him. Okay. Uh, George Allen says, uh, Kuhn for Costa or wait until after City's run of fixtures and Costa's ban? I think I think George actually knows the answer to this question already, which is that uh, you can't do it. You got to you got to hold on to Kuhn. I know it feels right, George. Something just feels so right. But now you're jumping the gun a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, I think uh, Ebro to Costa is the move that I would be happy to make. Yeah. Jeremiah Johnson asks, Pedro looked really involved. Will he take a backseat to Willian when he comes back? A Chelsea player looks like great cover to get in the weeks ahead. And I think we kind of touched upon this earlier um, where I would suspect Pedro will. Pedro has looked good at times, but often quite bad. I don't don't think... I mean, maybe a, a, a huge Chelsea fan can answer this better than we can, but I, I don't think we really know right now. I mean, you know, I, there's Conte is still figuring out the best lineup, you know, the best formation. You know, it's you know, it looks like he's going to do this the, the three five two now, which you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that suits Pedro better. I, I think that given how he's looked in the last in the last match, I expect him to, to be starting for a while. But um, I don't think I don't think I can really say one way or the other at this point. Like you know, like what, what, like how many starts he's going to get, or what, how he's going to be lined up in that in that attack. Pedro is in the squad rotation phase of his career. I, I, I think as soon as Willian is healthy, he's the preferred option. And yeah, it, next next match, Pedro might be good. But as we were saying, like Chelsea's fixture list, because it is a little dicey. I would be more into bringing in an assured player like Aspilicueta or Diego Costa. Or even even yeah. hard. I mean, I guess he's is he playing as the second striker in the three five two? Then is that is that where he's lined up? I mean, it, I guess he might be kind of an out of position midfielder at this point. So he just plays he plays yeah. the Willian position of, of yeah. far on the right, and yeah. he has that license to get forward. Yeah, if if he so chooses. All right, so Pedro's a wait and see. Uh, Andy Lakeman says, is it time to switch default mode off for the weekly captain pick because Sanchez and Aguero just not consistent this season? Uh, I would argue that Sanchez has been pretty consistent, but he says, I'm on Lukaku or Dini this week. I am considering bringing in Dini. I mean, we we sort of waffle on this uh, strategy on the podcast about making a one game week transfer, but I'm looking at bringing in Troy Dini 
to play against Hull, and he could have he could have a haul against Hull. And uh, yeah, I you think, are poetic tonight. <laughs> I I'm into this. I'm into this, Andy. Like I think it's time to get nuts with the captaincy choice. Yeah, I am. I am too. I love it. I, I think the game is so much more fun when you have to debate the captain pick. Uh, I don't. I don't think it necessarily helps people because there's, there's 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 it doesn't help dedicated fantasy managers in some ways uh, because it adds such a such an element of chance to the game. Uh, but I think that's fine. I think it's more fun that way. The, <laughs> so, the one uh, problem I see, though, is that Alexis Sanchez is going up against a team that has two points over the course of nine matches. Yeah. But they are they are away to Sunderland. So, I mean, that's that's a point in Dini's favor being home. To a yeah. garbage team. I, I think Dini is a very compelling captain choice this game week. David Felheim, who's in second in our league, uh, says stick with um, he says stuck with Aguero, Costa, and Lukaku. Uh, is it time to change on for Sanchez and Hazard? I I don't think so. I mean, Hazard, I mean, given what we talked about so far in this podcast, Lukaku to me is is undroppable at this point. He's scoring basically every game, uh, or assisting at least. He's you know vital to that attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Costa has looked fantastic and Aguero is, you know, kind of essential still. Yeah, uh, no, I, I agree. I mean, Hazard did this trick earlier in the season where he convinced us all that he was going to be player of the year again. And then, uh, right. and then he was not suddenly. Right. Yeah, so exactly. I think Hazard needs a little more. He needs to show just a little bit more for me over the next couple of matches before yeah. we start to consider. I mean, if he, if he continues to do what he did against United, then yeah, I'll be looking uh, at a way to fit him in. And, you know, if, if Lukaku came down with an injury or, or, or Costa, for that matter, uh, I think that Charlie Austin is somebody who um, will be an interesting player to bring in for one of those two players. It'd free up about $3 million, and then you could probably bring in either Sanchez or or Hazard. Yeah. So, um, yeah, wait and see, I think. All right, two more L- questions. Yeah, go for it. Lojun Ann asks... Tough fixtures ahead for Foster and GKs from top teams picking up clean sheet points at the moment. Who to bring in? Check David De Gea, Courtois, Loris. This is an interesting question. Um, I mean, it, we were looking at BAPs for guys like Arthur Burrich or Tom Heaton. Yeah, I think that, yeah, Boric is a player that we, t- we talked about who I think both of us recommend. Uh, I think of his list of players, Peter Cech is the one who stands out to me, uh, both because of Arsenal's fixtures, which which stay pretty strong for quite a while, and um, and because he seems like he's in the form of his career. I mean, he was phenomenal in that Middlesbrough match. He really was. He basically saved saved that game for them. <laughs> yeah, David, uh, fi- David De Gea, oh. sadly, I think is, well, so the thing here is you have to sort of decide uh, who do you want to get a defender uh, from? Do you, yeah. do you have Kyle Walker? Then maybe you, then you definitely don't want Loris. Do you have Aspilicueta? Then you probably don't want Courtois. So it's sort of a, a checks and balances thing. Yeah, yeah. All right. Final question. Uh, Luke Arnold uh, says, my wife is due to give birth on Monday. Do I get a Stoke player in to break up the time and labor with an FPL notification? Yes. Uh, Luke, I think, um, well. I mean, you were watching matches almost up to the moment of your recent baby being born. I would. Yeah, I was in the hospital with Kate and I was watching Everton (laughs) Crystal Palace on my iPad uh, as we, as we, no, it wasn't like, you know, the doctor was in the room and I was watching this game, but you were guys were of, just biding your time. <laughs> there's right? a lot of sitting around I and mean, you don't know exactly his wife is due to give birth on Monday. She could give birth like eight days later, you know? So, <laughs> uh, so that's one thing. You don't know what day it's going to be. 
Uh, and then once you get to the hospital, I mean, you know, you're sitting around watching TV. So, I, I you know, I guess if they know she's going, if she's getting induced or something on Monday, then sure. Yeah. Why not? You know, <laughs> take your mind off <laughs> the stress. Uh, I, you know, I was, I was glad to have that match on. I got, I got a free kick goal from uh, Lukaku in the first half. What do you think about Shakiri's uh, performance over the weekend? Oh, I, I love Shakiri. I mean, he's 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 not a great goal scorer, but he's a scorer of great goals. Yeah. To use the cliche. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I love Shakiri. Uh, I think he's a great option. You know, Ar- Ar- Arnatovich. I guess I'm a little less tempted by now that anyway's on four yellow cards. Yeah, Shakiri, six point three million and just four point five percent ownership. Yeah. Uh, I mean, worth worth a punt. They've got great fixtures coming up. There's yeah. And Joe Allen doesn't really tempt me just because and we talked about it in the last podcast, but you know he's he's just not. A, I mean, he has a ten year record of not being much of a goal scorer, and I, I think he's going to revert to form. But you know, I could be wrong. We'll I don't know. If I had my wild card, I'd be bringing Joe Allen in. All right, Brandon, fast, fast game week ten preview transfers. Yeah. What are you looking at? So I am looking at uh, as as much as it pains me to say, I'm looking at dropping Sam Vokes to get Troy <laughs> Deeney in, and I'm on yep. two frees going into game week ten, so. I need to still free up a little cash to turn Vokes into Dini. So, mm-hmm. And I think James Punchin might get reduced to a Joe Allen class of character. I think that's – I love – I actually like those moves a lot. I think those yeah. are both good moves. Yeah. What uh, about I, you? I have about $2 million in the bank right now uh, from the Eber austin move, and I think I'm going to be doubling up on Liverpool, and I'm looking at turning Antonio into Coutinho. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, uh, and I still have a million left or so that I could that I could use to upgrade my defense in game week eleven. Yeah, just throw a pizza party or something with that <laughs> extra cash. Yeah, clean sheets. Who you got? Who's your pick? Your so, one clean sheet pick. Uh, I'm going to put my money on Manchester City this weekend. I mean, they have one of the, the strangest, softest defenses in the league. Or maybe the best word to describe City's defense is brainless. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, well, John Stones at least. Yeah, but there there is just something about them going up against West Ham. I think City's going to be a little fired up given their recent form. They they need to sort of come out and make a statement in the league. Yeah. I think they have what it takes to stop Rondon. Mhm. I I, I Chad, another I, question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a clean sheet there, to be honest. I mean, my my pick isn't any better. I, I think I'm, I'm picking Southampton uh, at home to Chelsea. And I know that seems crazy because Chelsea has scored four on, on Man U. But I, I think there's a little letdown, actually, after that match. And uh, Southampton, I was, I was just so impressed with them in the Man City match. And I think uh, I think Southampton's going to win like 2 nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think the easiest clean sheet pick might be Arsenal away to Sunderland. But I feel like sure. I pick Arsenal every weekend. I know. It's kind of a boring pick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Captains, who's your pick? We're, I think we're both going Arsenal here, though. Speak of the devil, um, and I, just because I own him, I'm going to go Mezzadozel. I want to, uh, I want to go with what I know. It's it I would like be a, a choice between Ozil and Dini with that tasty sure. home hole fixture. Yeah, I, I I don't own him, but I'm picking Alexis. I just like the way he might slice up that defense. He's, He's due for a big one. Big, yeah, he is due. All right, well that's it. All right, everyone, good luck in Game Week 10. Remember to subscribe to the Always Cheating Podcast. You can find us on iTunes where you can leave us a review. It really helps us a lot if you just uh, rate us uh, with a, with five stars or, or leave us a comment. You can also find the pod on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Acast, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. You can also follow us on Twitter. On Twitter, we're at Hail Cheaters. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash alwayscheating. And please send us an email for anything. Just just if you want to chat. 
we're getting some, we're getting some very uh, nice emails recently. I appreciate everyone writing in and talking yeah. about how totally uh, listening to our podcast has uh, sort of enhanced their FPL experience, or it's just been a fun listen. And we've been doing some rate my teams as well. So if you have some rather involved uh, questions you want to ask our advice on, just just send us an email, and we'll get right, right back to you. And that email address is hailcheaters at gmail dot com. All right, Josh, good talking to you as always. Hail cheaters. And Bacani forever. Have mercy. All right, talk to you later, Brandon. Bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.